Welcome to Everything EOS. I'm Zach Gall, an ICO data analyst at ICO Alert, the trusted ICO discovery platform. Visit icoalert.com, the most complete calendar of all active and upcoming initial coin offerings. And I'm here today at ICO Alert headquarters in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with the founder and CEO of block producer Cypherglass, Rob Finch. Thank you all so much for joining us for yet another episode of Everything EOS. Uh, thank you all so much for leaving all that positive feedback last week about our first video podcast episode. We're back this week again on video. So if you're listening to us, you haven't checked out video, head over to everythingeos.io to see our video podcasts. We're also going to be posting some other cool short form content on everythingeos.io. So go take a look, subscribe to that channel, and you won't miss a thing. Um, on today's podcast, we're going to be detailing the latest news and announcements around EOS IO, including the first hardware wallet being released for EOS tokens, which Cypherglass had something to do with. We'll yeah. get into it in a minute. Uh, some new benchmarks for block producers, uh, some arbitration stuff, and also a new sister EOS chain launching soon with uh, uh, support from several mainnet block producers. Now, before we dive into it, I do need to mention that this podcast is not sponsored, and we both do hold EOS tokens as a matter of disclosure. Uh, please remember, do not take this podcast as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. We're just two people that are passionate about the open source EOS IO software, talking about it here for you. And always do your own research before you make any financial decisions. Let's get to it. All right, so the big news for everyone, this isn't just a, yeah. a cipher glass thing, this benefited everyone. So you wanna kind of roll in with the bounty and the ledger wallet? Yeah, so we asked, uh, you know, this was a long, long time ago, I think back in May, we started looking around at the EOS community before the EOS main had even launched and said, you know, look, what does the community want? What do you all want out there for EOS? You know, we at Cypherglass are a block producer, we want to add as much value back into the EOS ecosystem as possible. And by far the number one choice that everyone picked was ledger support for EOS. So if you all aren't familiar, uh, a Ledger Nano S is something like this. If you're watching video, you can see it. Um, basically a small little USB sized device with a screen on it um, that, that's called a hardware wallet. And what's big about a hardware wallet is that it always keeps your private keys, that really long password that you have to control your EOS account. It always keeps it offline so that there's no risk of you know malware or something on your computer like a virus intercepting your private keys and stealing your tokens. But in order for EOS to be supported on the ledger, you have to get a developer to build it. Ledger has to approve it. It's, it's this long process that can take some people up to a year. Um, but fortunately, uh, over the last three months, thanks to our $100,000 EOS hardware wallet bounty, um, we actually had two submissions for Ledger, one of which was just approved. So now you can officially store your EOS and all of your EOS airdrops on your Ledger. Why don't you give both those development teams a shout out? Yeah, so huge shout out to Crypto Fairy, first of all, the winner of the Ledger bounty. Um, he did a great job, was the first one to submit, had the best UI out of the, the competitors, but also a major shout out to Altshift Dev, who put a lot of work, a lot of effort. I believe they both took a month off of work to really try and try and hammer this out. And I think they may be working on Trezor integration as well, since that $50,000 bounty is still live. Um, but huge shout out to them, both of the guys. It's It's been fun. We're looking at getting a giant check for Crypto Fairy <laughs> so that he can hold it and have the Cypherglass nice. logo on it. It should be cool. So we, we talked about this. I don't know if it was on an episode or offline, but you mentioned that, uh, I don't know if it was you personally or Cypherglass, but talking to different funds who hold EOS, yeah. and they were unable to, to vote, or they were able to, but they're unwilling to vote because of the yeah. security. Oh, absolutely. A lot of people within the community that you know hold a significant amount of tokens, whether it's 100 tokens and that's significant to you, or 10 million tokens and that's significant to you, there were a lot of people who were waiting for hardware wallet support just to be sure that their tokens could not be stolen, that you know they wouldn't have malware that steals their keys. If you, know, you don't know the owner active key, which can be a little bit confusing, the easiest way to keep your coins secure is to just use a Ledger Nano S. 
Um, so a ton of people now, we've actually seen a, a spike in the number of EOS accounts since Ledger support was released nice. last Tuesday. So there's been a, a massive number in the increase of EOS accounts, which is likely people who are logging on to, to their Ledger for the first time you, and setting up their EOS. You guys got an insane amount of love on Twitter, man. Yeah. Like uh, so many people were tweeting you guys and just thanking you and it's awesome. I, I didn't see the statistics, but yeah. that's awesome to hear that the uh, votes went up because that's something we all need as a community is more people voting, more people participating in governance because that's what not, scalability is going to separate EOS from the rest of the pack, but also governance. Governance is one of the biggest selling points of EOS and why I support it so much because I see what's going on with all of these governance discussions. The EOS Definitely. Alliance is doing an awesome job. We'll get into one of their conference calls a little bit later. Yeah. But there, there's so much going on. There's so much setting EOS apart from, from the rest of the, the blockchains right now. And obviously, it's the one that we support the most. Definitely. And one important thing to, to mention, people think, oh, you know, you're taking $100,000 from Block Rewards and you're pouring mm -hmm. it into this bounty. That $100,000 was our own money that we put up, not from Block Rewards from the EOS network. So as Ash Oro said on Twitter, um, that bounty is inflation free. It's our own money that we injected back into the ecosystem, not from Block Rewards at all. So 100% inflation free. I saw free. Ash's tweet and I almost wrote that that came out of Rob's pocket. Because, <laughs> but I wasn't I wasn't sure if like it was a collective pocket of you and some of your team members yeah. or just just you but I know we talked about this I don't know like two months ago and I called you out on it because the real reason you put this bounty up was because you wanted a hardware wallet for oh, yourself. Oh yeah, definitely. I wanted a hardware wallet to store my use tokens. Obviously, I've been using other wallets with a different active and owner private key to, to keep it all secure. But now that I have Ledger, I'm super stoked to, to finally have EOS where I want it, which is right on my Ledger. So some other stuff that happened recently. There was a new EOS IO release. Uh, they released uh, 1.2.4 yep. recently. It, I read I read the notes on GitHub. It looked like mostly just bug fixes. Was yeah. there anything else? I think important? it was mostly bug fixes. Um, this doesn't include yet the uh, basically the new WASAM interpreter. It's a, a piece of the code that processes transactions, which will eventually, I think very soon, um, double the amount of transactions that you can process with the CPU that you have staked. So that's coming soon. I don't believe it was in this release, but I think we'll likely be in a 1.3 release. And, and what out. that will allow is cheaper account creation, essentially? Um, that necessarily won't be cheaper account creation, but that will happen when they reduce the amount of RAM required to make an account from, I think, four kilobytes down to one kilobyte. So slashing it by 75%. Um, but it will make transacting on the EOS network cheaper. So if you have 10 EOS staked today, the amount of transactions you can send with that will effectively double. So with 10 EOS, you can send 20 EOS worth of transactions. So I guess that brings us into our next topic. Um, yeah. AlohaEOS.com, uh, they released a, a tool. I, I found it on Reddit. Um, it's a new benchmarking tool that basically rates uh, CPU performance benchmarks um, among all of the BPs. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, we'll, we'll pull up a graphic right now. You guys asked us for graphics on, on the last week's episode. <laughs> we mentioned the comments. We're taking all of your thoughts into consideration. Last week was uh, my first time ever editing video, so I apologize if it was a bit rough. You guys uh, said the lighting wasn't good, so we bought lights. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're trying to get better each week. Um, we'll pull up a little graphic here so that you can see um, a little line chart of where all of the um, block producers stand as far as uh, speed of their computation. Um, you, you guys can check the links if you're uh, listening on iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, just check the description. I'll link to Aloha EOS and you can see these charts yourself. But what do you think about this? Cypherglass held up pretty well on the yeah. statistics, but there were two block producers in the top 21. Yeah, it was kind of crazy to see. Who, I mean, they stand out because they're so far away from the rest of oh, the pack. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
uh, it's interesting also because you know you look at somebody like Start EOS who is the worst performer out of all of this, way out of the pack, almost like an outlier in how long it takes them to process transactions, which could be latency. It could be that their infrastructure isn't as good as as you know they claim it is. Um, but kind of crazy considering they're frequently the number one BP, yeah. but still have some of the worst performance in terms of their CPU on their infrastructure. When I was taking the notes, they're ranked number three. Um, yeah. And for, for those listening and not watching, basically imagine a bunch of lines on the bottom of the screen where the majority of the packs all kind of lumped up together with gray mass by far in the lead. Oh, yeah. But then there's two lines that are like kind of way slower than everyone else. And it, it, it's... It doesn't mean they're bad block producers, though. Oh, no. It does not, not mean they're bad block producers. It's just, it's basically a way to almost rate block producer infrastructure, kind of. It, it rates some metrics of your infrastructure relative to the other block producers. So even though Stardios is an outlier, even though Gray Mass is an outlier in being so good, um, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that Stardios is bad or isn't doing their job as a block producer, but it, it does mean that they have a, a, you know, a significant room to improve and sort of get with the rest of the pack. So I was happy that we were, Suffer Glasses in the top 10 block producers, our, our infrastructure is doing well. I, I think it just, in, in my idea, serves as a wake-up call they they see this they're they're probably a group of talented individuals really smart people so they they see that they stand out oh they, yeah th this is kind of putting them to a test though of how long will it take you to improve your hardware will you improve your hardware and if if you don't are, are you going to continue to get our trust as voters right um but uh on, on the reddit post i found this on great gray mass uh someone from gray mass made a great response how this benchmark here, uh, as far as measuring like latency and CPU amongst the block producers, it, it's a good metric today because nobody's trying to game the system. Right. So there, there's this thing called Goodhart's Law, uh, which is basically an adage named after an economist, uh, Charles Goodhart. And it basically says that when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. Yep. Now here at ICO Alert, we saw that because part of, part of my job is to kind of vet ICOs to just decide we get a lot of submissions every day and part of what i do is i gotta sift through the project see if they seem legitimate enough to it, it's a low threshold i guess to to just get listed on the site as long as you're not a scammer you're legit your white paper makes sense uh we'll, we'll put you on but one of the metrics we used to use was do you have like a social following like how how active is your telegram group and your twitter and it, but what happened was as soon as that became a metric of measurement uh rate, while rating the quality of an ico all of a sudden, all these bot accounts just started yeah. gaming the system. You see that this ICO I've never heard of before. They have no venture capital backing, and all this they have fifty thousand people in their Telegram group and on Twitter. <laughs> so, so that that's what I mean with Good, Goodhart's law. So, yeah. this is a great metric as long as it, it doesn't become weighted so heavily that it, it becomes gameable. And in, in the post, Gray, Gray Mass said that they're going to write a more detailed blog post about this. Uh, but there are ways to game the system that they mentioned. They'll probably go into more detail, and we just have to trust that no one's going to do that because I, I think the number one quality of a block producer, in my opinion, is trust. Oh, definitely. Like, I guess while we're on that topic, what, what else do you think makes a good block producer? I mean, I think that the number of missed blocks is definitely a metric. So talking about, you know, as long as there's not one metric that I think everybody is looking to, to say, oh, this is what makes a BP good or bad. I think missed blocks is another one that can come in there. There's a, a cool Telegram channel called uh, EOS Mainnet Status, I believe, that posts all the missed blocks. We noticed, I think this was last week, that ourselves and Bifinex were missing, you know, two blocks out of our 12 relatively frequently when it got passed to us. And our tech guy, James, dove in for hours and hours and hours trying to find what the issue was, solve the issue. Now we're not missing those blocks anymore. And now we're actually helping Bitfinex get their 
um, node up and running so that they stop missing blocks. So when we find a solution, it's it's always cool to sort of share it with the other block producers. And I hope we see more metrics like this come out so that we can, you know, objectively to some extent grade BPs on their performance. So the, the, you're more aware of all of these measurement tools for block producers that yeah. you, you share amongst yourselves. Like, didn't you guys, would you guys develop one of them? Um, so we have something called Glass, which is more transparency. You can sort of see, you know, for example, there were a lot of people that were upset that, that EOS New York was actually not based in New York. It's something they were very transparent about. They, they but mentioned it very early on. Oh, yeah, they did. And, and I'm not I'm not putting that out there as, as any, you know, malice towards, towards EOS New York. I think they're great guys and deserve to be in the top 21. But Glass shows things like that. It brings stuff that's sort of buried in the bpinfo.json file, which is all the info about a block producer, their website, their server location, their backup location, their API nodes, all of that stuff, and brings it to the forefront and puts it on you know a map for you to see and shows their logo and all this good stuff. So just a, a transparency tool that kind of goes along with this. So prior to this Reddit post, I didn't, I wasn't aware of any types of metrics that were, were measuring performance like this. Was yeah. there anything else available? I don't think so. And we were actually looking at you know how can we measure the number of missed blocks for a long time and then somebody did it before us in a mm -hmm. telegram group and now everybody can see it which i think is awesome i mean i think it's great because it's really hard to understand the like you, you i saw some stuff a while ago where i called out all the block producers whether they're metal cloud on amazon on google or how their infrastructure is built so i thought that that was pretty cool because it was mm -hmm. able to identify all that stuff but so nobody was really tracking this though Right, I don't think anybody was tracking this until now, and now that there's this open source tool out there that everybody can see, I think you know these BPs can then improve, help other BPs improve, and it just improves the network overall. So, as far as like what makes a good block producer, let, let's continue on that subject because yeah. I, I think this could do the community a lot of good, and I think a lot of the people listening will agree with, with the things that we find important. Yeah, uh, tools. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. So, building tools, uh, I can name a lot of tools. Gray Mass has developed the the most widely used uh, vote wallet. Uh, what's it actually? called the it's called, voter it's called eos voter um i know that they're going through a rebrand process to actually have its own name that isn't mm -hmm. just voting it does more <laughs> yeah initially it was just voting and i think basic transfers but they've built it out into the most featured wallet the most fully featured eos wallet that you can get you can stake you can unstake you can manage permissions you can do all of that online or offline if you so choose if you have a second offline computer um those guys are great and they've they've helped me a lot i've had you know there was a new release that came out for you to send uh, tokens like IQ tokens or these other airdrops offline, and there was a bug, and they fixed it within an hour. So they're super responsive, and I'm not surprised to see them leading the pack at the top of the CPU chart. So besides gray mass, what and what other tools do you really love that block producers have produced? Because I'll tell you straight up, blocks.io oh, yeah, is my absolute favorite block explorer. Absolutely. And that was developed by EOS Cafe. Shout out to EOS Cafe and HK EOS. Yeah. Uh, so that that's like one of my favorite tools that I use personally. Yeah, and that's B L O K S. So blocks without the C dot I O. It's the the best box explorer out there, at least in my opinion. I know in the early days I was using EOS Flare. It's had a bunch of bugs showing tokens and all kinds of stuff. But blocks dot I O shows everything. You can filter if you just want to see all your airdrops. If you just want to see. Uh, outbound EOS tokens that are above a certain amount, you can see that. So definitely the best block explorer and also has a cool ranking of, of all the BPs where you can see us, Cypherglass, at uh, number 17 right now along with everybody else. What, what, so what, what tools do you like? That's the one I gave a shout out this week to. I would say that's definitely my favorite. Um, that and then EOSNetworkMonitor.io. Um, it's what I use personally just to see how many votes we have. Um, it was developed by... I'm actually not sure. Uh, oh, Crypto Lions. Okay. So the Crypto Lions guys, they're one of the people that also set up, uh, I believe it was the Jungle Testnet. Um, big in the early days of helping us do practice runs for launching the EOS network, making sure that everything was up and running and, and working properly. So EOS Network Monitor.io is kind of the, the BP-focused 
um, monitoring tool that I use to just make sure everything's working properly. If you guys like that tool, I'm looking at the chart right now. Crypto lines at number 37. So I guess if you have uh, some votes to give, give them a little bit of love. Definitely. I think that another huge part about what makes a, a block producer good is, is definitely education. Oh, yeah. um, this is something that has been probably our biggest focus at Cypherglass, other than just making sure that our infrastructure is top of the line and, and always producing blocks. Um, but educating the EOS community, not only on what EOS is, but also how EOS is different from existing platforms is something that I think is is at sort of the top of the list. You know, in order for something like EOS to eventually be the the main, you know, platform where you run a dApp and to, to be a mainstream thing, people have to know how it works. People have to know why you would want to use it. What are the benefits of using it? Why would I want to build on EOS versus Ethereum if I'm already there? Why would I want to build on a blockchain like EOS versus having a centralized version? So educating people, not just the community, but other people. I was on a, another consulting call yesterday with a project that was about to build on ETH, now was building on EOS after talking to us yesterday. Totally free consulting call just to bring more people into the ecosystem. And I think the more education we do, the better off the network will be in the long run. I think that education goes across the board, and it's not just block producers. If you guys are listening, you're probably EOS enthusiasts yourself. Yeah. This show right here is a big education platform. It, it may not always seem like that, but like our goal with this show is to grow the EOS community, and we, we want people who aren't even in crypto to enjoy it. Uh, that's why we usually uh, s simplify things that we talk about. If you're like really involved in the ecosystem, and it, the stuff we talk about is probably stuff you're aware of before listening or watching. But there's a huge audience who's not in the trenches as much as uh, some of our listeners. And we're targeting them just the same because we know, we believe in EOS because we know its potential. We know what's going on currently. And our job on this show and this channel is to spread that knowledge to the rest of the world. Absolutely. Because we're freaking excited about yeah. this. Out of all the comments we saw, man, they're like, we love your excitement. Well, we're excited because yeah. EOS makes it easy to be excited about. Oh, like, absolutely. I mean, we were talking at, at lunch about this before, just talking about that, that you know, conference call I had yesterday about convincing this person to build on EOS. It's so easy to do because EOS is so much yeah. better than all of the options out there. So when you tell somebody, hey, would you rather have your user have to pay a dollar to take an action in your dApp or would you rather have it be free? Would you rather have to have to wait a minute or would it be instant? You know, all of these things that add up that make EOS a much better platform than anything else out there makes it so easy to convince people to build on it. And I think we're going to see more and more of that, more and more devs moving over. You know, whether they have an existing ETH project or not, they're going to be building on EOS in the future. Man, ETH, speaking of ETH, <laughs> well, the market as a whole was not looking good yes, right. yesterday, which was Wednesday. If you're, this show comes out on Fridays, today's Thursday. Um, major red candle down, man. Two weeks of gains wiped out in like two hours. Oh, yeah. But ETH hit its yearly low and it is struggling. And there, there's a lot of narratives around it. Um, ICOs selling their tokens, people just losing faith in it. But... I think there's going to be an avalanche of ETH projects moving off of ETH. Absolutely. And if you look at, I tweeted or quote tweeted one of Italic's tweets recently where he put this whole Reddit post out basically saying that if the critical issues on Ethereum, like transaction fees and scalability, aren't solved, ETH will go to zero dollars. He verbatim said it will go to zero dollars. he's honest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's honest about the platform's flaws and is trying to fix them. Whether or not they can fix them in time or even fix them without basically building an entirely new blockchain network remains to be seen. But it, it's crazy to me to, to have the creator of Ethereum come out and say, if we keep the platform as it is, it's going to go to zero dollars. Pretty mm -hmm. nuts. I, I'm not 
in favor of ETH going to zero. I oh, think if ETH not. fails completely, it's going to be bad for the entire market. Yeah. I'm not in favor of any project going to zero or anybody losing money in the crypto space. But at a certain point, I think if the issues aren't fixed and a platform like EOS does exist, I think it may be inevitable. So mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. Uh, so I guess to finish off the, the block producer uh, credentials, so to speak, is a big one's technical excellence. That kind of yeah. goes with some of the other uh, things we talked about. Uh, development, which we kind of got into, and I think outside projects. So how much weight do you put into like funding projects outside of the actual BP company? You know, I don't put a ton of weight into it just because I think the block producers that focus, number one, exclusively on the EOS mainnet, but also focus on just doing their job, which is ultimately at the end of the day, keeping your infrastructure online, making sure you don't miss blocks, making sure that you're solid from an infrastructure standpoint, since that's literally what runs the EOS network. I think the BPs that just focus on that are honestly BPs that should be in the top 21. Um, I do have a lot of respect for people that go out and fund other things like us funding the bounty or people funding other DAP projects, but I don't think it's a necessary part of being a good block producer. So, so to go back to the topic a couple weeks ago, you're, you're in favor of the WPS maybe funding some of those projects? Oh, absolutely. I think that WPS, reduce it from 4% to 1%. Let's do a trial run for a year, see what kind of projects we fund. Because I think, you know, from the perspective of a whale, maybe that whale wants to go out and just fund their own project and steal that EOS. But depending on how much EOS they have, they may actually be, it may be more beneficial to them to fund a good project that's going to add oh, yeah. real value to the network, that they get more value in the long term. So whether or not it would be manipulated by whales remains to be seen. But I think there's a lot of precautions we can take to sort of try to prevent that. I think a big misconception is that these whales, whales have like misaligned interests to the network. Yeah. Whales love EOS just as much as we love yeah, EOS. Absolutely. I mean, they don't want to do stupid stuff that's going to make people lose trust in the network. Uh, yeah, they might support uh, a project they're friendly with, but they're not going to support it if it's complete crap and it's going to make everyone look bad. Oh, absolutely. Like maybe if you had two equal projects on, on every metric, they would support the one that they knew a little bit better, like personally. Right. But like beyond that, like I don't think they're out to, to get anyone or to like screw anyone over. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they may be the whales are really the biggest potential gainers in this system, but they're also the biggest potential losers. I mean, the amount of money that some of these people have on at stake, if you look at the top 100 EOS accounts, millions to tens of millions of EOS in these wallets that's just sitting there. A lot of these people still accumulating even in the bear market. So it's good pretty crazy to, to see. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so I just want to give a shout out now to EOS Alliance. You guys are doing awesome, absolutely. awesome, awesome work. I actually missed the weekly conference calls. We got, I watched it on YouTube, but I didn't participate in it. I had a fantasy football draft. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> have priority. Priorities, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what, what caught my attention was there was actually, so there's the weekly conference calls, which this week they, they did like an all Asian one on Monday because it was Labor Day in the United States. Wow, interesting. So then they did Tuesday and Wednesday calls uh, at different like hours to allow more people to participate. That one w went off as planned. They dug into some of the different uh, pieces of the constitution, but now there's like secondary conference calls going on. Like, yeah. um, what was the company that did the global conference? Is it EOS Ignite? I'm not sure. There was I, a I think, global yeah, block producer I, I conference. Think, I think they're um, doing like their that. own calls. But there was one um, that I watched that just kind of blew my mind. And it, it involved the EOS Alliance Arbitration and Dispute Resolution Team, uh, or working group. And I didn't realize how many all-stars were, were part of these working groups. Yeah, for, for those I didn't either. Watching on the YouTube, we'll, we'll pull up the, the page of some of these people's credentials. But um, one of the guys who is on this call this week on September 5th, and there will be a link 
to this video uh, in, in the description, um, a guy named Colin Rule. He, he's part of this working group. Now, now he's no Joe nobody. Yeah. So oh, Colin, from 2003 to 2011, he was the director of online dispute resolution for both eBay and PayPal. All right, and, and in this call, he, he kind of explained how they handled arbitration and dispute resolution. Now, now you think about the size and scale of, of something like a PayPal or an eBay. He, he quoted 60 million disputes <laughs> per year on PayPal and eBay. Which is almost 165,000 disputes every single day that these people had to go through and work through and resolve. And as an entire company, EOS, PayPal, I don't know if he was combining them, 25,000 employees, which is a lot, but their wow. job's not like dispute resolution, all of them. So what they needed to do was figure out a way to resolve disputes in an automated way. So what he did while at PayPal and eBay was he built algorithms that would handle the vast majority of this dispute volume. Hmm. And through these, like, that he built in these algorithms, they were able to solve 90% of all disputes without any human intermediaries. Wow, that's so, wild. So if this was on EOS or yeah. through some DAP, that would, all that arbitration would be resolved, like, by the chain. Yeah. Um, and he's, he, he's one of the leaders working on this stuff. It's so cool. I mean, if, if you guys are familiar with the EOS Alliance, they've split into working groups to tackle different topics. So this one is dispute resolution. What happens when, you know, I buy a soda from you for two EOS on the blockchain, but the soda can is empty. How do we resolve that dispute on the chain and get me my two EOS back or get me a soda can that's actually full? And having people like this that have actually solved it for massive companies that are way bigger than EOS is in its current mm -hmm. state is, is going to be so good for EOS in the long term to have this plan in place already so that when we have 60 million disputes a year on EOS and there are a billion people using this blockchain network, that it can all be solved and all be handled automatically. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really interested. Like, like I keep saying, governance, and we all talk about the scalability. I don't think anyone's going to deny that the scalability is the, one of the main driving forces behind EOS's support. But man, I tell you what, governance. Oh, man, yeah. And this arbitration layer, I don't know if it's going to be at like the the... Uh, protocol layer, if it's going to be like a DAP layer of arbitration, but what, whatever the community votes on and decides on, it, it's going to be a game changer. Oh, absolutely. Absolute game changer. And I think over the next, what is it, weeks or months that the EOS Alliance is doing these working groups, we're going to see a lot of this come out and see the plans that these people have, that these experts, honestly, especially in this group, Amy Wan is in there as well, who's an attorney and uh, entrepreneur. We had her, I think on the ICO Alert podcast many months ago, I, I interviewed her there about the project she was working on, but and Amy, Amy Wan, she's actually working on a project called SageWise right now, which is like a, a dispute resolution uh, tool, an arbitration tool to kind of ease some of these issues on EOS. And I believe it's going to be like an ADAP layer. Um, but I, I didn't get a chance to read through their, their entire website and company background because I didn't really expect to talk about this. But I, I'm 90% sure that they're an Ethereum project that, that is moving over to, to EOS. That's um, awesome. Yeah. But Another one. Yeah, another another <laughs> one. I, I don't think they they raised any capital or anything, which is fine. It's last year's news. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, really, really good person to have on the team. Uh, looking through their team, they're all very talented. I think there's some crossover with this uh, arbitration group on the EOS Alliance. But but as you said, what the EOS Alliance is trying to do is they have a 12 week program that's currently going on. We're in week three, 
and they're breaking down the constitution and looking at like what works, what doesn't work, why do you think that, what is your solution to something better? And this is happening in these small working groups of six to eight people based on speaking language and then everything's translated so that everyone's on the same page between the east and, and west parts of the world. Yeah. Um, and from, from watching uh, the, the call, the, 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 the stream of the recording from the call this week, uh, one of the issues I heard come up was the accounts after three years of inactivity. Yeah. I, I think that's the most controversial piece of the so. Constitution. You want to explain that? Yeah, I think other than the proposal to allow BPs to own 10% of another BP, which is something that should definitely not be in because it, it results in you know giant conglomerates that all sort of own each other. Um, there was something that Dan, I think, proposed originally in the initial Constitution, or maybe Thomas Cox, who was the one that put it all together, said that after three years of inactivity on your U.S. account, meaning you haven't sent a transaction for three years for whatever reason, maybe you're hodling for that long, maybe you're in a coma, whatever the case is, your tokens would effectively be forfeited. You would lose all of those resources, all of your tokens, which is something that should never happen. I, if I want to, I should be able to hodl for 100 years, never send a transaction, and still keep my EOS. So that's something that I imagine will not get any votes once it's sent to referendum and the token holders can vote on it. So I can't imagine anybody will vote in favor of that. I have thoughts on this, though. Really? So that makes perfect sense to me, yeah. but not today. So you think about how ingrained in our daily lives that blockchain will be, and hopefully on the EOS main net, mm -hmm. you're gonna have on-chain transactions from the time you're born. So if, if from the time you're born, like everything you do, you shop at the store, you do this, you do that, that's a transaction on the EOS blockchain. Right. So there should never be a time where you have three years of activity if everything you're doing is somehow transacting right, on the blockchain. What you if log into Facebook or whatever Facebook? What if I'm in a then? state where I can't do that? What if I am literally in a coma for three years and I can't access my money and I wake up at three years in one day and I have no money now? Not only was I in a coma for three years, but now all of my EOS is gone. I think maybe you go to war and you know it takes your family years after you get killed to to resolve and get those eos out and go to them if you take I mean, more than three years they lose it. i just think because i agree with you to a certain extent that for 99.999 percent of people this is not going to be an issue and you're going to be constantly you know sending actions sending transactions on your playing account games but, sending money oh like, yeah even like non like transacting of like money but i think things. it's those edge cases where somebody is in a coma which does happen sometimes people are in a coma for a decade you don't want that person to not only have to go through that but then also forfeit all of their money i don't think makes a lot of sense so my uh, argument to that would be how many people do you know that we're, we're around our age, so they're, they're used to computers and the internet. How many of those people have gone completely dark on the entire internet for three years? Probably only the ones in a coma. How many friends do you have in a coma? Is that an edge case? Fortunately, no, fortunately zero, but my point is even if it's one person that is in a coma for three years that then loses their EOS, I think that's a bad thing, especially if, to your point, if most people are going to be active anyway, then it's not an issue to have this inactivity rule. I mean, yeah, there... I guess like key recovery and like having a trusted partner or yeah. someone that could recover your keys. Like I, I think that could solve it. I also, uh, there's definitely unforeseen circumstances. It's not a perfect amendment. I'm not, I'm, yeah. I'm totally against it today. Oh, absolutely. But I think 10 years from now, Maybe. I, I might, I, I mean, might think differently. I, I would be in favor of something that says, hey, you know, if you're staked for CPU and bandwidth and you haven't used it for three years, maybe you temporarily forfeit the CPU and bandwidth, but not your actual tokens. So that that CPU is free to use on the network, the, the bandwidth is free to use on the network, but you keep your tokens. And then if you send a transaction, you can instantly get that CPU and bandwidth back. I'm in favor of that as a way to, to not just steal money from people just because they didn't use the platform for that long, especially since those are the people we want. We want the people 
hodling for for three years. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the value of the EOS Alliance. Yeah, the last five absolutely. minutes of conversation, I chose one side of an issue, Rob chose the other. That's how these working groups are working is people have different opinions. Mm -hmm. Not They're not all wrong. They're not all right. Uh, there's some middle ground in between them. I agree with everything Rob said. He probably thought I made some good points, but yeah, that's what's going on over the, the next nine weeks of the EOS Alliance uh, working groups is they're, they're going to pick apart the Constitution and make it better. They're going to put it up for referendum voting. And then the community, and that, that's why this governance model is beautiful, is the community is going to decide how they want to be governed. Mm -hmm. there, there's no rule that could be put in place on the EOS mainnet that wasn't voted in by the community because the block producers are going to follow what the community votes for in referendum or else oh, they won't absolutely. be block producers for much longer. Yeah, exactly. You can, a block producer can go and try to vote something like this in, but I highly doubt one block producer going against this is going to get 14 others to agree with them and go against the community. Cause to your point, those 15 BPs would then be, you'd be right out and replaced out. by standbys. Hyper, hyper, uh, like voting, like you're, you're, you're being judged by the micro Oh, you really are. I mean, <laughs> if you look at, we have a, a bot in our, you know, internal Cypherglass Slack group that shows our voting position and it, it gives us our status every 20 minutes. And it's crazy to see, I wake up some days and last night in particular, I think we were at 19 then climbed up 18, 17, 16. Now we're back to 17 and it's changing all the time. The number of votes, if you go to something like that tool we mentioned earlier, blocks.io or EOS network monitor.io, you can see when the votes come in. So if you go out and you have a hundred EOS and you cast that vote, you'll see 100 get added to those BPs tally in real time, which is so cool to see and I think gives people some real grasp on the power that they have with their tokens when they're going out and voting. Um, so let's get into another uh, relatively controversial topic. Yeah, very interesting. So a, a, a new sister chain to EOS, I, I think they announced themselves a while ago in London back in May. Yeah. Um, but recently this past week, four mainnet block producers announced their support to a non-mainnet EOS uh, network, essentially. A fork of EOS, uh, and it's called Warbly. I hope I said that right. Yeah, Warbly, W-O-R-B-L-I. And they're being supported by EOS Dublin announced theirs mm -hmm. uh, support, uh, EOS New York, EOS Fear, and Jenner EOS. Um, what, do you, what do you think about mainnet block producers supporting a fork, essentially. I think it's interesting, and I think it is important to note that Warbly at this moment is a fork. I mean, they, they have intention in the future where they say, hey, we're going to once, you know, inter-blockchain communication is out, we're going to link up with the main chain. But at this point, that for, you know, the first year or so of Warbly's existence, it will be a separate fork, separate from the EOS mainnet that these people are producing. Um, I, I honestly think it's a little risky, and I think maybe, I don't know if irresponsible is too strong a word, but from from my perspective as somebody who is a part of a block producer at cypherglass we are so committed to the eos mainnet for years and years and years making sure that the eos mainnet is not only the main chain so that when sidechains are out it, it's still the main one where all of the value or the majority of the value resides but also that it's stable that you know th the biggest question i have for bps like this that are jumping on the warbly train is let's say and this will likely happen at some point let's say that there's a critical bug on both eos and warbly at the mm. same time which do you choose? You have to prioritize one over the other because you're not going to work through both of these bugs at the like same you're, time. You're like your block producer, like your dev resources to exactly. analyze this bug. Well, and a lot of these block producers have one, maybe two. You know, in some cases, I think EOS Canada, where their whole team is tech people, but we, for example, have two tech people and then two, you know, support tech people that are on the ground with their infrastructure. But, you know, I would ask all of these people: EOS Dublin, EOS New York, EOS Fear, Generios. When there's a critical bug and you can only choose, hey, we're going to help fix the bug on Warbly or we're going to help fix the bug on the EOS mainnet. 
I think we're going to see where a lot of people's interests really lie. And I think that poses a threat to the stability of the U.S. mainnet. Maybe not for a while, maybe not until there is some kind of issue like that. But I think the BPs that, like Cypherglass, that are fully committed exclusively to the EOS mainnet are the ones that are going to be there, ready to fix that bug, always ready to keep the EOS mainnet online no matter what. Where, you know, we have blinders on. We're looking at EOS mainnet. There's a fork over here. There's a fork over there. We don't care. We're focused exclusively on the EOS mainnet and just making sure that it's stable and, and you know, continues to, to be valuable into the future. So I'm going to backtrack a minute because we never actually explained what Warbly was. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Warbly uh, is, is quoted as being a financial services network where enterprises and individuals can access a broad range of services. Uh, their blockchain ecosystem leverages EOSIO software and is capable of hosting a variety of decentralized applications focused on financial innovation, security, reliability, and compliance. And I, I believe that was the reasoning that they gave for needing to be a fork is they needed to kind of enforce more stringent rules because yeah. they're in a regulated industry. Oh, I mean, every single account. So if you want to claim your Warbly tokens, for example, they are doing a one-to-one -one airdrop. We, we should mention that too. Yeah. So we, we can get into, a, I, I, I support what they're doing personally. I'm not a block producer, uh, but they are airdropping, what percent? 40% uh, of mm -hmm. their total token supply they're actually airdropping them to EOS mainnet token holders. So yep. that right there is a, a, a sign of respect to me that like I, I support them more because of that. They didn't do some Definitely. ICO. They didn't just launch their their, their fork like um, like Talos, for instance, I think. Yeah. So I, I support Talos also because I, I think we all have the same mission. We want to make we, we want to test different governance models. We want to test different rules and different pieces of the EOS IO puzzle and make it as best as we possibly can and incorporate all of the best features into the main net. Mm -hmm. So I, I see the value of these forks as being like testing grounds for new ideas. Yeah, and I think Warbly is really that, I would call it a KYC or AML testing ground. Every person that wants to claim their tokens on the Warbly network or be a part of it is going to have their real government identity linked to their wallet. So it's, it's a really important note and, and is also part of the reason why we decided not to come out as a block producer other than our exclusive commitment to the EOS mainnet. We don't really want to be associated with a chain that is KYC mandatory where everybody has a real identity associated with their account and can't just, you know, interact with the chain anonymously. So it's something that I, from not necessarily a moral standpoint, but more of like a philosophical crypto standpoint, uh, I'm not a huge fan of, of, of chains that are fully KYC or that appoint their own block producers. So that's another part about Warbly. Rather than having the Warbly token holders actually vote in their block producers, like happens on the US mainnet, the Warbly team themselves, that centralized team, is just appointing and picking the block producers who will always process the transactions and get paid by the network, and the token holders have no say. So comparing it to me, if I'm a DApp developer, if I don't need KYC or AML services integrated, if I'm not running some regulated you know, financial exchange in the US, the EOS mainnet is still the obvious choice because there are more people there. Um, you know, The block producers are, are voted in by the community, they actually have control versus being what will be a centralized fork of EOS on Warbly, where they're just sort of controlling everything that happens. So my opinion on, on the KYC stuff is no one's forcing people to collect their airdrop tokens off the Warbly platform. Oh, right. So if you don't want to be KYC'd, by all means, don't, don't do it. Yeah, is my and, opinion. And that's fine. I'm, I'm just saying if you want to interact with the Warbly chain in any way, whether it's claiming your tokens or using one of the exchanges that may launch on here, you're going to have to go through a KYC process. There's no getting around that. So that, that's also going to exclude a lot of individuals globally. Absolutely. Not everyone in the world lives in a society where you, ha you have like a state government idea that would be acceptable for, for AML, like national yeah. AML KYC regulations. Oh, absolutely. Just in the United States alone, I think there's like 8% of 
uh, people in the United States are undocumented, so they couldn't KYC even if they wanted to. Oh yeah. So if we want to, if we want to build a, a blockchain that incorporates everyone, which I don't know if this is what they're trying to do necessarily. I don't think so. Then you you can't the best, make that a requirement. I think the best sort of description of Warbly that I saw is that it's, it's sort of the trying to be the financial district of EOS. So if you're launching a fintech app that is regulated by the SEC in the US, I think Warbly will likely only be used by regulated companies in the United States who sort of comply with United States regulation, which is some of the toughest in the world. Maybe they'll also have, you know, people who are in China and have to deal with the regulation there. But I would imagine that this won't be, Warbly won't be a global chain by any means. It will be mostly US regulatory centric which will be pretty interesting. So to conclude on this topic, uh, are you indifferent? Do you support? Or how, how do you feel about the block producers who are supporting it? I think it's, I don't want to say irresponsible because I think that's too strong of a word, but I think if you're a block producer that's already top 21 in the mainnet that has earned the trust. That, that's what I was thinking too. So if you're a standby producer, you want this to be yeah. your 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 lifeline, your lifeblood. Oh, yeah. You got to draw revenue from somewhere. So if you're like, I think EO's Dublin, maybe like 40 or something. I don't know where they're at. Yeah, they're but down they're, there. They're not in the top 21. So for someone like them, this is a great opportunity for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was honestly surprised to see EOS New York come out in support of this, being you know frequently in the top five, at least top 10 block producers, to see them come out after gaining all the support and then go, hey, by the way, we're also supporting an EOS fork. It's, something just feels off about it to me, and not, not to call them out specifically, but I think all of them. I would just say be cautious because... When that issue does arise, when there's a critical bug on Warbly and EOS, it's going to be really interesting to see which chain those people you know, pick first to fix the bug on first. And many of these BPs may actually be legally required to fix the bug on Warbly first since they're, they're under so much regulatory scrutiny when they're going to be running that Warbly infrastructure. So it'll be really interesting to see how it, how it comes out. You know, I'm in favor of anybody using the EOS IO software, whether it's the mainnet or not. But when it comes to these forks that have the potential to get you know, users, mainnet exclusive as far as cypherglass goes and being a block producer totally exclusive and committed to the eos mainnet i i support eos new york supporting warbly because i i think it brought a lot of eyes and attention to the project and to eos io as a platform uh being a major block producer one of the ones i support personally i i think that when they made their announcement is actually the first time I, I dug in and really tried reading about yeah. what Warbly was because I was like, well, these guys are legit and they support it. So I'm going to look into it deeper. Well, and my hope with Warbly is not that not that it fails. I don't want any of these projects building on EOS to fail. My hope is that they follow through with all of their promises to link it with the main chain, make it a real side chain or what they're calling a sister chain, where then Warbly acts as sort of a fiat on ramp. So you can take your US dollars, you can go into your KYC account on Warbly, you can buy your EOS mainnet token and boom, there it is on your EOS mainnet account. So I hope, and, and I really would like to see them follow through with all of those promises and actually make this sort of the, the financial district of EOS and that fiat on-ramp, because I think that could be pretty powerful and overall beneficial to the EOS mainnet. But it, it's gonna be a, a long road, I think, before we get there. The, the one piece uh, that's still left unresolved that'll, that'll make all of this vision possible is the inner blockchain communication. Yeah. So until that problem is solved, which it has not yet, yeah. even though it's uh, in the original US white paper, yeah. we're still impatiently waiting on it. Please block one. Let us know what's going well, on with IBC. The most recent update I think I've seen about IBC was Dan telling people in Telegram that they have they have everything written out about how they're going to construct IBC. And this was several months ago. So now they're, they're likely working on it already. So they know how they're going to do it and how they're going to link together all of these different EOS sidechains and make inter-blockchain communication possible really for the first time, at least at a, a, a 
feasibly consumer level where you know you don't notice if you're using a dap on a side chain you don't even realize you're on a side chain and not the main chain um but hopefully we still get that by the end of the year but i think we'll know a lot more after the london event september 22nd and 23rd when they make all these announcements and hopefully hopefully also release the uh block one roadmap which should have things like multi-threading and interblockchain communication and eosio storage all these things that you know we're waiting to see for this sort of real commercial grade version of eos Looking forward to it. So you, you mentioned it. Let's uh, start wrapping up here and talk about all the events going on here yeah. coming up. So we're going to remind you guys, we're going to keep reminding you that the <laughs> Global EOS Hackathon is coming up in London on September 22nd and 23rd. We've talked about this week after week. Uh, Block One sponsoring it. They're supporting, I think, a $100,000 grand prize to the winner. Basically, uh, teams fly in from all over the world with all of these great ideas in Australia. The... Um, the the focus point was on dApps with social impact. Yeah. I don't know what the topic is for London off the top of my head. I think if you listen to our previous episodes where we speculate that they're going to release their iOS mobile hardware wallet and release that wallet first, I would speculate that the challenge they're going to give people this London, uh, or excuse me, this September 22nd and 23rd in London is, hey, build a dApp that integrates with the new Block One wallet that we just I announced. So we'll see if it happens. If you guys are there, if you live in London, if you're going to the hackathon, I will actually be there in London September 22nd and 23rd, just sort of poking around, meeting the teams. I, I signed up as an entrepreneur, but we'll just kind of be there, you know, taking it all in and, and hopefully seeing some of these announcements and just meeting everyone in the community. But I will also be uh, speaking at an SVK crypto meetup, which is the most recent fund to partner with Block One's billion dollar DAP fund. Billion dollar DAP fund. Billion dollar. <laughs> so, One billion dollars. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I like the reference. But uh, So I'll be there <laughs> September 19th speaking. I have a cool 20-minute presentation. The, the whole topic of the night is the future of blockchain. And I'm going to kind of you know pose the question or sort of my opinion on why I believe that EOS itself and the EOS mainnet in particular is the future of blockchain. So it should be a cool event. I have a 50-minute Q&A then. And we'll, of course, be there for several hours just interacting with you all and answering any questions you may have so i'm really looking forward to it and if you happen to be in london for that entire week let's say you go to the, the svk crypto event on the 19th the hackathon's 20 the 22nd and 23rd there's gonna be 48 hours of just hacking going on yeah. i don't know how interesting it would be if you're a non-dev or team lead or mentor yeah but it, it's gonna be really cool you could probably follow it on youtube block one's really good with getting their content out quickly uh if you're still in london after the hackathon though the following week uh, there's an event on Wednesday, September 26th, called Blockchain Live, and uh, Dan Larimer is going to be there. I, yeah. I think I don't have it in my notes here, but I think I think Bloomer is going to be there also. Yeah. And that's another interesting note for the EOS uh, Hackathon in London is this is the very first international event that the CTO Dan Larimer has, is going to. Oh yeah, and it's it's his first I think speaking appearance since they announced. And, and I could be wrong, there may have been a little one in there, but I believe it's his first speaking appearance since they announced a consensus in 2017, last June or July. So it, it should be pretty interesting to see what he has to present. Maybe he's going to present on the next generation of EOS with multi-threading and sidechains, or maybe they'll talk about the roadmap. Who knows? But I think there are a lot of opportunities, both at the London Hackathon, the 22nd and 23rd, but then also at Blockchain Live on the 26th for them to unveil all of these things that they've been teasing us about for so long and, <laughs> and say that they're finally going to tell us. So it'll be interesting to see what that is later this month it's it's I a couple weeks away you it's guys, crazy so i guess we're on events i don't even know how soon it is don't you guys have an event with with you dublin and yeah, we thomas an, cox uh i believe so i believe thomas cox is speaking it's uh in portland oregon uh in october let me get <laughs> let me pull this date up i should know this 
Give me one sec. But uh, a lot of events are going on. Here it is. Thursday, October 11th at Kells Irish Pub in Portland, Oregon. Um, our community manager, Adriana, should be there. I believe our two tech guys, James and Ross, will be there. Thomas Cox, who was now leading the EOS Alliance, but used to be sort of the head of governance at Block One, will be speaking as well. So should be a great time. And shout out to the guys at EOS Dublin for putting on this event with us. It's cool. So I'd like to close this show off by supporting uh, someone that I find hilarious. He gives away lols for free. Yeah. He released the latest video of Blockchain and Morty. Oh, I love it. Uh, so we're going to end this episode with like a short 15, 20 second clip of uh, this parody series that this guy uh, will put all his information down in the descriptions so that you guys could go watch the full video. He basically dubbed a 22 minute uh, episode of uh, Rick and Morty. Yeah and made it all about crypto <laughs> and it is hilarious and the the best part about crypto breakfast and all the videos he's done is he's an eos fanatic himself oh absolutely so there's a lot of eos references in this cartoon it is hilarious uh there's a character named lara maria <laughs> larimer like dan larimer i love it oh it's awesome uh so that's how we'll close off i will see you guys next week we hope you enjoyed the show leave us comments let us know if you support warbly let us know what you think about the ledger hardware wallet anything we talked about let us know what you think let us know what we're doing good, what we're doing bad. I hope I looked at the camera more this week than last week. Uh, and, and don't forget, if you guys are interested in those other short form episodes that we'll be doing, or you just want all Everything EOS content, head over to everythingeos.io. You can take a look there. Subscribe to our channel where we'll be posting all of that, including this episode. So all thanks right. so much. Once again, I'm Zach Gall. I'm Rob Finch. And this is Everything EOS. Hey, muchacho, does your planet have cryptocurrencies yet? Or are you going to freak out like Nouriel Rubini? The general store over there takes Bitcoin. Thanks. Of course, you'll be wanting to be gone from here by sundown. Yeah, sure thing. Wait a minute. What? Why? Sundown is when the shilling begins. The shilling? Who? well, since the halvening, our blockchains have been free of crime and war, living in perfect oh, peace. Oh, I know what this is. Bitcoiners and altcoiners live in peace because you have one night a year where you all run around stealing hardware wallets and killing each other without consequence. That's right. What? It's like The Purge, Morty. Is that movie The Purge? Oh, have you, have you been here before? No, no, but I've been to a few planets with the same gimmick. You know, not all planets fight over which blockchain is best all the time. Twitter is way more peaceful. Everyone on Reddit usually upvotes. It's a purge planet. They're peaceful and then, you know, they just purge. Uh, that's horrible! Yeah. You wanna check it out?